Lord, I thank you that you're here with us, and I pray you'd speak to us tonight and to know that Jesus is with us. Amen. All right, here's a couple jokes for you since I received permission last week. Uh, What did the third wise man say after his friends had already presented gold and frankincense? But wait, there's more. Okay, thank you. What's the best Christmas present in the world? A broken drum. You just can't beat it. Okay, all right. No one's walked out yet. All right. Why did the gingerbread man go to the doctor? He was feeling crummy. While he was there, he complained about a sore knee. And the doctor said, have you, have you tried icing it? All right, there you go. Then I'll go home now, satisfied. And if that wasn't good, there's cookies at your table, so at least you have some cookies to eat, all right? Um, Here's the scripture reading for tonight. This is from Matthew chapter 1. I would invite you to listen. Even if you want to close your eyes, you can read along up here. Sometimes it's good just to listen. This is Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife is what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name, Jesus. This Advent season, Jade's been spending time with the kids in the evenings after dinner, uh, reading some stories to them. So she got a ton of Christmas books from the library and wrapped them up in these kind of like cloth wrapping paper things that she made. And so each kid, like, it'll be their night, and they'll take the books out, and she'll get the three bigs on the couch, and they'll read books. And so I've been kind of hanging out with Flora, our two-year-old daughter, because she can't, she just can't sit through books at this age. And so one night this week, as they were on the couch doing kind of the Advent fun deal, Flora and I were upstairs playing hide-and-go-seek. And so when Flora hides, she will say, Dada. Where are me? And then, you know, I will hide, and it's really more like a game of Marco Polo. Because she'll walk around, you know, the house going, Dada, where are you? Dada, where are you? And if I don't answer, she, you know, she, and she can't find me, she gets really upset. So, uh, as I was thinking about that uh, this week, 
is a question that she's asking as a little girl, like, Dada, where are you, is often a question that we ask throughout our lives about God. Say, God, where are you? For some of you, it may be a question about, does God exist? Is he there? Uh, maybe sometimes it's a question in a moment of, or, or a season of pain, and we are asking, you know, God, where are you? Or where were you? Why didn't you prevent this? Or why didn't you tell me? Or where are you in the midst of this? For some of you, maybe it, it is asked when you're, you just, it just feels like God's not there. You can't sense his presence. There's no, it feels like reality to his existence if he's out there. Maybe it's a place of loneliness in that. This passage that we just read, uh, it, it quotes this really interesting verse from the Old Testament. It didn't say where it was from. It's from the book of Isaiah, and it's really this prophecy that's given to this king because he it's kind of a long story. Matthew's picking up on this and saying, well, this is really what this was really about, although it may have had some relevance in that original context, but it's really ultimately fulfilled in Jesus because Jesus, this passage is saying, is the ultimate God with us kid. When he's born, he's given, it's saying he's going to be called Emmanuel, which is funny because in the passage, it specifically says to call him Jesus, which is not the same word as Emmanuel. I don't know if you picked up on that. But that's really what he truly is. Now, if Jesus is real, if the story of the Bible is true, the story is about God becoming one of us. It's interesting if you kind of walk through the Bible, um, God, where are you is a major theme in the Bible. In the beginning, there's this beautiful garden, and the first humans are, are put there, and God is with them in that garden. And then because they decide to disobey God and kind of choose to go their own way, they have to leave the garden. And then the Bible kind of starts on this incredible journey of like, where is God? And so in the beginning, God kind of appears to different people at different points. Then he chooses this people uh, the Israelites, and he's with them in a, in a pillar of cloud, in a, in, a, in a fire, pillar of fire. Then they build this crazy, elaborate tent that God kind of comes and lives in. They meander around the wilderness. They kind of enter this new land, and they end up building a temple, and God comes and resides in that temple. But then the people are so uh, disobedient to God and don't trust him, uh, ignore him, worship other gods, all that stuff, if you've read the Old Testament, that that temple ends up becoming destroyed by some other nations that come in and kind of take over as God's judgment on this people. And then there's this long period of silence. The Israelites come back to the Promised Land, they, they rebuild the temple, but God's presence is not there in the way that it was before. And so this is when Jesus enters the scene. It's this incredible picture and reality of God becoming one of us. He enters into the pain 
and the disappointment uh, that we experience as human beings, that he knows that himself. And that's, guys, that's really what the incarnation and what Christmas is about. It is that God is with us. He's become one of us. We're not alone. This is what um, this St. Paul or the Apostle Paul says in the book of Acts. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. You know, ultimately, all that stuff that happened, he's saying, that I was talking about, God wasn't really contained in that. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, this is Paul talking to these guys, we are his offspring. This one other line that's significant in the passage that I read in the beginning, that Jesus would come to save us from our sins. Jesus has removed whatever separation existed between us and God because of the things that we've done wrong. And so Jesus becoming a person shows us that God is eternally committed to the human race and to his creation. He's with you. I was taking a bath earlier this week, which is like my new happy place, now that we have a bathtub. You know that story, that's another story. Um, And I was just sitting there trying to talk with Jesus. Sitting there, put some worship music on, and at one point I felt like the Lord uh, was saying something, but then the Holy Spirit like cut him off. And I kind of was like, Hey, you just, you just cut Jesus off. And then all of a sudden I had this like fear, you know, of like, oh, like I just like said that to God. I can't like call him out on something, right? He's perfect. And as I thought about that for a moment, I realized that God is, is entirely unoffendable. Now I may do something offensive. I don't think that was, but he will never Take offense at you. You realize that what Jesus came and removed your sin, like that that whole forgiveness thing, is is more than just like some penalty or hell or any of that. It's like there's no separation there. There's there's no longer a grudge or any kind of like, he's not holding on to any of those things. And he's right there with you. If there's one thing that the devil does not want you to do, it is to believe that Jesus is alive. And if there's a second thing, it's to live as if that's actually true. Like that Jesus is with you all the time. And that there's nothing separating you from him. 
There's no grudge held against you. He loves you, and he wants you to do life with him. I'm telling you, there's nothing the devil fears more than people doing life with Jesus. Not coming to religious services, not, you know, singing a song. It's No, it's, it's actually believing that Jesus is alive and, and talking with him and hearing his voice and following him wherever he will lead. Believing, like really believing, that he's with you. I talked about this in my video this week. It's absolutely incredible that the first narrative section in the book of Matthew talks about Jesus being called God with us. And that's exactly how the Gospel of Matthew ends. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. It's not a small add-on to the Gospel. It is the Gospel. The message of the Bible is Emmanuel. It is that God is with us. That Jesus has removed the separation of sin. He's removed whatever judgment, grudge, all of that stuff. He's welcoming you to receive him by faith and then to live life with the resurrected Savior, Jesus, who knows your pain and who is always with you and wants you to walk with him. So we're going to take a minute now and uh, process this a little bit at our tables. Now, if, if you've never like been to church before, don't be intimidated. There's going to be a warm-up round, Okay? And you don't need to share anything either. You can pass or you can just sit and listen to what other people are saying. But I want you first, Anita, if you can put that slide up there, just to share uh, an appreciation story. And because it's Christmas Eve, I want you to talk about something that you remember, a, a fond memory from Christmas past, you know? And I guess it could be today. Today's Christmas Eve. So if it's today, great. But just t- somebody, tell a story, go around, and just share something that you've appreciated from the past, a wonderful Christmas memory that you had or something that just you never forget. It's great. And then just check any of these next questions. This is not, you know, thus saith the Lord, I just had a heavenly vision. Just, hey, maybe God is trying to communicate this to me today. Okay? And then we'll take a moment and have you just pray for each other at the table.